You're listening to the Crosscheck NHL Show, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Andrew Berkshire and Mary Clark. Hi, and welcome to the Crosscheck NHL Show. I am Andrew Berkshire, and I'm here with Mary Clark, my co-host. I'm a NHL analyst with the Montreal Gazette, and Mary works for For the Win. Today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices. All the parts that your car will ever need, visit rockauto.com and tell them that Locked On sent you. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and we have a really exciting show for you today. We've got Sarah Avampato from Locked On Kings and Jason Hernandez from Locked On Ducks to continue our cross-check summer crossover. And, of course, we're going to talk about the Carolina Hurricanes sending an offer sheet over to Jesperi Kokaniemi worth a fair amount of money on a one-year deal. But first, uh, Mary, how was your weekend? How are you doing? Uh, my weekend was good. Uh, I got my hair cut on Friday for the first time since, I think, May when I had my friend's wedding. Um, so feeling a bit fresh. Um, not really much else going on. It's uh rest of the sports world is waking up, though. It's College football is back. Uh, NFL is right around the corner. Uh, so my weekends are going to get a lot busier in terms of, you know, sports to watch. Um, and that's all before hockey comes back. But I'm very excited for football season. Uh, love me some fall action. I'm ready for the fall. Not to say that the summer hasn't been fun, but I'm I'm really looking forward to the cooler weather and the and football because it's been it's been some time since we've had football. Yeah, it has. And I'm not a football person, but I I feel like if I was in the United States and was able to partake in like tailgating culture. Maybe I'd be a bit of a bigger fan of football because, I mean, I love me some barbecue. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> so I'll, I'll, I'll be in for the food more than the football, but I would go. You know, that's that's fair. That's fair because there are, have been some really fun tailgates I've been to in the past uh, for both NFL and college football. So, yeah, like I said, really excited for it because it always, uh, you know, the start of a new season brings hope, Andrew. And I'm ready for my hope to be crushed for both the Eagles and uh, Penn State football, which is where I went to school. So ready for my hopes to be dashed. <laughs> oh, sports pain. The greatest pain mm-hmm. there is. And by greatest, I don't mean the worst. I mean, it's the pain that doesn't actually hurt that bad, but it's it still sucks. But anyway, uh, so the Canadians left themselves extremely vulnerable, um, not just by dragging out this process and playing hardball with Jesperi Kokaniemi over the offseason, but also by tendering their own offer sheet a couple years ago against the Carolina Hurricanes' Sebastian Ajo, an offer sheet that was not nearly large enough to get the player. Uh, Carolina apparently holds grudges, so they sent an offer sheet over to Jesperi Kokanami for one year, $6.1 million, which, because he's a restricted free agent, also makes a benchmark for his qualifying offer. I believe if they go to arbitration next year where the team files for it, he can get as only as low as 15% less than that contract. So the Canadians are now in a tough situation because they've also lost Phil Deneau this offseason, which would leave them with one center capable of playing within, the I would say, really the top three lines uh, if they were to lose Kokaniemi. But uh, this is... This is pretty deft work from the Hurricanes. I, I have some confusion over what the Hurricanes get out of it if the Canadians don't match. Because I like Jesperi Kokaniemi, but their center line is so strong already that it doesn't seem like it would help them short term. But uh, this is incredible trolling for start <laughs> to start with. Uh, the Carolina Hurricanes put out a press release that was the exact same wording as the, the, the one that the Canadians did 
when they put out when they sent an offer sheet to Sebastian Ajo. And also, not many people have noticed this, but their tweet announcing it, both in French and English, is a full-on copy-paste job from when the Canadians announced it on Twitter. So they leaned heavily into this PR move, and obviously they want this player as well, but this is uh, masterful trolling and an incredibly non-NHL-style move. Yes, uh, and you forgot to mention other things like the twenty dollars signing bonus. Yes, uh, which first was which at first was confusing, and then people pointed out that Sebastian Ajo's number is number twenty. Uh, so they dig the knife in even more. They changed the, their their uh, Twitter bio to French. I think it's still up, or at least it was up when I wrote this doc um, on Sunday night uh, as we were you know prepping for the show. Um, yep, still French. Uh, they, yep, still French. They probably won't change it until you know. Um, the week has gone by and either, you know, um, Montreal has matched or they have acquired Kalkaniemi. Um, then, you know, they played the, they put out a tweet that had the reverse Uno card, you know, the, you know, the, you know, the thing, uh, I don't know what else to say about it, but reverse card. Yeah. Yeah. The Uno reverse card. Yeah. Um, so they, they went in on Montreal here and, uh, Part of me is like, this is really funny. I really love it. It's revenge two years in the making. Obviously, they didn't make this move just so that they could get back at uh, Montreal for offer shooting Sebastian Ajo. But there is definitely some level of, you know, revenge here because, I mean, that was the last offer sheet that was given out two years ago was the Sebastian Ajo one. I mean, it's it's this is rare for a reason, yeah. whether we like it or not, unfortunately. But um, the, the, the Hurricanes saw an opportunity here and they took it. But then there's also part of me that's like, I mean, they have the Tony D'Angelo stuff. Do you find this kind of stuff uh, amusing or petulant? Because uh, I know some people were not really a big fan of the Hurricanes, you know, incessive troll job on Twitter. And I can understand it, but I thought it was amusing. But there is definitely something to be said of them kind of like being like, oh, look at this funny PR thing. We didn't just sign Tony D'Angelo. And then, I mean, you also have uh, the Canadians and um, everything that they've gone through this offseason with, you know, spurring up controversy uh, with the things that they've done. So it's just one of those things where like, oh, yay, funny tweets, funny memes, ha ha ha. But then it's like you look deeper and you're like, no, no, no. It still sucks, kind of. Yeah, kinda. this is very much a look over there, but at the same time, I appreciate it because yes, I would like the I NHL do to do more of this stuff. And, you know, whether it's amusing or petulant, I think it's both. Like, it's, <laughs> it's very clearly bitterness in the Carolina Hurricanes organization over how that went down with Sebastian Ajo, and that's fine. Which I, is funny because Montreal did them a favor. Yes, that contract is fine. It's, like, perfect. Like it, I get it, like... It's one thing to be annoyed at like a contract that's bad, but it's another to be annoyed at one that just like finishes off your negotiation. But I guess it's always like there is something there that's harmed in the relationship between the team and the player if a player signs somewhere else when they're not supposed to, right? When they're yeah. under team control. So I understand that there, there's a certain level of anger about that. And it seems that Sebastian Ajo and the Carolina Hurricanes are completely fine now, but I'm sure that there is or was at least some tension for some time. And so I get that level of animosity that builds. It's weird that it's two years later and they're still acting on it, but I guess, you know, Tom Dundon and Don Waddell don't forget. So that's, that's yeah. funny. Um, yeah, it is. It is funny, but I bet that, you know, when that offer sheet happened two years ago, probably like they felt that their image was slighted yeah. by, you know, Carolina trying to undercut them. Well, and and plus player. the Canadians called them cheap, right? Like, they said yeah. they couldn't afford it. And yeah, I think there's 
we talked about this recently on another podcast that the Carolina is still nickel and diming players. And the fact is like they offered this money to just Barry Kokaniemi and they offered like barely more than this to Dougie Hamilton, which is super weird. But in talking with a few people that know some things about the Carolina Hurricanes organization, there's a reason why they offered this kind of money to Kokaniemi and similar lower money to Dougie Hamilton. And it has to do with age. It's flat out the difference between paying for what you're going to do and what you've already done. And I understand that because players in their late twenties, they don't have a lot of their best years left and to pay them for how good they are at that moment is often a mistake. So I understand the idea of moving on from an unrestricted free agent and seeming like it looks cheap when really it's just not wanting to put yourself in a cap situation that you don't like years down the road. Whereas Kokaniemi, yes, it's expensive now, but if they believe in him, then it's understandable why you would pay a premium to get them from another team and not give up too much in terms of assets, like a first and third round picks, just not that much overall for, for an NHL quality player. So I understand it, but I guess now we're at the point where, uh, what do the Canadians do? And I've seen a lot of stuff going around about how, like, oh, if you look at Kokaniemi's last two seasons, he hasn't really developed. And you look at his war. And, like, I really like uh, Jay Fresh Hockey on Twitter. I appreciate what he does, and I think he's a really good analyst. But I think with a player like Kokaniemi or, like, similar profiles, it really does a disservice to use war as a what can this player do. Because, first of all, war is not a predictive measure. It's a, what did you do this season? And because it's so uh, focused on what did you do this season and how much impact you had on wins above replacement, that's essentially what it is, it very heavily weighs goals, goals for and goals against on ice, right? And we know from like over a decade of hockey research now that goals are not very predictive. They're not very predictive of future performance. And if you look at Kokaniemi's underlying numbers he had a rough sophomore season but this year from a play driving perspective very strong he hasn't figured out offense yet but there's enough elements in his game to think that he has something to give there so i think when you're looking at war it's a starting point for evaluating players but it should not be your end point and i think a lot of the people who are using that to say like oh well the canadians need to walk away from this guy because you can't pay him that much money you just got to move on, take the picks and try again are missing out how badly of like how bad that kind of analysis is. And when you have three years of development sunk into a player, he's 21 years old. He already has three years of NHL experience. He's already shown that he doesn't shy away in the playoffs. You know, defensive play is already very strong. There are some areas of his game that are still raw. And I think that, having seen him for three years, it kind of does a disservice. You've been too seen as a prospect. If you know what I mean, that people just get frustrated at the slow development, but slow development doesn't mean that development will always be slow. A couple things need to click for Kokaniemi and he could be very, very good. And this season was actually primed to be a really good one for him because he's in all likelihood going to play with Brendan Gallagher. If the Canadians match and, Playing with Brendan Gallagher is very good for every center who's ever played with him. You know, he, there's some players who've made a lot of money because they've played with Brendan Gallagher. Not to diminish Phil Deneau, but he got that big paycheck partially because he's played the last few years with Brendan Gallagher. Deneau is a good player on his own, but would he have got that without Gallagher? Highly doubt it, right? He got a, he got a nice contract. So it, it's a tough situation for the Canadians because 
it is a cap number they don't want to deal with, not just now, but in the short term as well. But if you believe he can be your answer at 2C, I think you have to bite the bullet here because there's nobody else in the organization that can make that move up the lineup, not Matt Perot, not Jake Evans, not at this stage. And I don't think that you're going to get a viable replacement for the first and third round pick that you just acquired unless you're going to add a lot more into it. So I think they have to actually match this. I don't see any other way around it without their organization taking a gigantic step back, which, I mean, this has to be one of the worst off seasons for a Stanley Cup finalist in recent memory, maybe ever. Like, this is awful. I know, right? It's wild to think that we were, you know, I mean, they really had no shot against the Tampa Bay Lightning, no. but still, they were there for a reason, and they, they, you know, by the end, they proved themselves that they, you know, deserve to be there because they were one of the best playoff teams this year, for sure. But it is tough to look at this offseason and be like, we're coming back with, you know, similar aspirations when all we've talked about for this past offseason is we don't think Montreal is going to be able to make it in yeah. the Atlantic division because it's looking like the strongest division in this league. And um, that's with assuming that Kokaniemi will be back. Yes. Right? If they lose him, like just at the NHL standpoint, like they are so weak down the middle after being strong the last season or so, season two seasons, for the first time since like the 90s, <laughs> you know? Right. Like, they had a future there that looked really promising and now like that apple cart has been upset. And I, I got to give kudos to the Carolina Hurricanes, that this is how you do an offer sheet. They painted them into a corner completely. And no matter what the Canadians choose here, the outcome is bad. Yeah. Yeah, essentially. Um, I'm of the opinion that part of me doesn't want them to match just because, you know, looking at their trajectory for this season, there's I don't think that there's any way, even with Kokaniemi, that they make the playoffs. But you make very good opinions and have kind of swayed me a little bit because, you know, it makes sense. But, you know, a first and a third in this draft, uh, this upcoming draft, isn't bad by any means. It's a very deep draft. I mean, we've talked about it before, but it's interesting that, you know, the stats say that he could continue to improve. And that makes sense. And I... I, it's 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 hard because you're right. Nobody wins here. At least if you're Montreal, you don't you don't win here, uh, regardless of what happens. Because uh, either you're paying a lot for a player that isn't, that isn't six point one million worth, or you lose somebody that could have really turned into something for you. Uh, and it is just, I mean, like you said, kudos to Carolina for this. Uh, yeah. But I I will be very interested to see if they match. It is I. I feel like to save face for the organization, they have to, but like, it's a really tough corner that Carolina put them in here. So I have no idea. Like, I I legitimately, if you asked me what I think will happen, I have no idea. Yeah, neither I, do I. That's the crazy yeah. part. And I think you look at the way that the Canadians have built their team here as well. And if they don't match, they now have to bend over backwards. And like, I, the only option that I can see for them is to give up an unbelievable amount of assets to acquire Jack Eichel. Because the way this team is built is to compete in the next five years or so. You know, like we can talk about Carey Price and the regular season struggles that he's had. But if you look at other goaltenders of his caliber, they have been able to be pretty strong until around like the late 30s, right? That's when things really start to no longer be viable, uh, provided he comes back from this hip surgery and is okay. So you've got Brennan Gallagher, who's going to be 30, uh, I guess, next season. 
Uh, Jonathan Druin's 26. Anderson's 27. Mike Hoffman, who they just signed for three years, is 31. Tyler Toffoli's 29. UL Armia, who just signed for four seasons, is 28. You know, uh, Jeff Petrie's 33. Ben Sherrod is 30. David Savard is 30. Joel Edmondson's 28. These guys who you've signed for term, what are they going to think if you don't have a second line center or essentially a third line center either that can take you to the next level? Because yes, the picks are nice and it's a good draft and the draft is in Montreal. I'm sure Montreal would love to make some extra picks in this draft, but they have to look at the core that they have as well. And like, what do you tell Carey Price? Who just yeah. carried you to a Stanley Cup final? Oh, we're done. Well, I guess you're just going to play out the last five years of your contract and have no hope for competing. Because even if you do get a good player in this draft, you're looking what two, three more years down the line until they're an impact NHLer. So you're just essentially starting over with another thing where maybe it's Kokaniemi again, and they're another slow developer. You know, you just don't know. Even if even if it's a good draft, and I think that this is one of those situ- situations where. Like maybe Kokaniemi surprises everyone and becomes the player that the Canadians thought that they were going to get at that third overall spot. But every time that this organization has thought that they're outsmarting everyone, it's kind of blown up in their faces. And the way that they've treated Kokaniemi has been poor. Uh, so it's no surprise that he would sign an offer sheet. And the way that they've built this team, I just I don't see a way around them matching, even if they decide that eventually they're going to move him. I think that there's a rule somewhere that says that they can't trade him for a calendar year. But either way, I think that uh, they're stuck here. They have no no other option. Yeah, and it feels like it's delaying the inevitable of the, you know, Montreal decline. Yeah. I mean, like like I said, we talked about this before, coming off of, you know, the Stanley Cup final loss uh, and coming into next season where we don't think that they have a, a prayer at getting into the playoffs considering what they're up against. Uh, so it really feels like this, regardless of what happens, it's only delaying the inevitable decline and i mean i feel for people like carrie price and stuff like that but we kind of we've seen this coming for a while but this just puts even more pressure onto them and makes it look worse regardless of what happens but i guess before we move on i wanted to just say this is stuff that i want to see the nhl do more more offer sheets more stuff like this i really hope that this you know pettiness this revenge offer sheet doesn't turn gms away from doing so because these are already rare in the first place because GMs don't like getting their feelings hurt, and that bothers me. I wish we had more of these. It's a viable tactic in the in the rule book for them to do. And obviously, I know that there's a great risk in doing so because you lose so many draft picks depending on you know the the, the compensation scale and whatnot. But I want to see more of these. These are great. I mean, I know this one it makes is even better because of the fact that the revenge, like that history, is there. But I want to see more of these, please, NHL, more offer sheets. Yes, more chaos. We are very yes. pro chaos on this podcast, so uh, let's keep going. But uh, we're we're gonna move on from that. And you know, if Kokaniemi is heading down to Carolina, he'd better make sure that his car is serviced and ready to go because it's a bit of a drive down to down to South Carolina. So this episode is brought to you by Rock Auto, who Kokaniemi can uh, go and get some car parts from. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to store all the parts that you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing only the brand that their warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. 
Why choose to spend 30, 50, or even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership? That's because Rock Auto sells for the same prices to both professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers, something that most auto parts stores do not. Rock Auto is also a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years, so you can feel good about supporting an actual family business instead of some nameless, faceless corporation. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so that they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts that your car will ever need. rockauto.com Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows, and you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friends log in for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment that you love without the hassle, and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called DirecTV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes, and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part? There's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion, and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more about DirecTV, or you can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible devices are required. Content varies by package. Welcome back to the Crosscheck NHL Show. Mary and I are very excited today because we are joined by Sarah Avampato from Locked On LA Kings. How are you doing, Sarah? I am doing pretty good. Excited for actual meaningful hockey to come back. Yeah, it'd be nice to talk about some actual hockey going on, but we, we've yeah. got some level of excitement. I feel like more than usual for August, right? Because of the compressed off season, mm-hmm. there's some things that kind of leaked into the August schedule and then the Canadians, obviously, and the, the Hurricanes giving us some drama to talk about. But that's not what we're here for in this segment. We're here to talk about the season that's going to happen for the LA Kings as we continue our cross-check summer crossover to preview all 32 NHL franchises. So we'll start off with the basics, Sarah, uh, for the LA Kings, who's in and who's out? Um, well, I think actually, honestly, one of the most important things that I see people continuing to get wrong in the, the larger hockey media is people talking about Jonathan Quick, like he's still going to be starting 60, 70 games, which is not true. That is not the way it's going to be. The Kings have openly admitted that he is not their starter anymore. Uh, Cal Peterson, who has been the backup for the past couple of seasons, uh, has you know, really emerged into getting numbers that I'm not going to say he should be winning the Vezina, but his numbers are comparable to players who have gotten very good accolades in the NHL over the past few years. So he is going to be the guy really taking the bulk of the games for the Kings. So uh, I think that's really important to remember for people looking at the team is that Jonathan Quick is not actually the guy anymore, uh, no matter how many people seem to want that to be the case outside of the world of the Kings. Uh, their big offseason acquisition was Phil Deneau, uh, who signed in free agency, uh, formerly of the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, and I'm I'm really excited about that addition. It's going to add a lot of depth to the center uh, position, which is something the Kings have not been great at uh, over the past few years. Uh, they added Alex Edler on defense, so he'll provide a lot of veteran uh, presence on, on defense, take a little burden off of some of the younger guys. And we've got a, a lot of young Swedes, and so I think he'll also be a good presence for them. Uh, and I think in terms of who is in, it's going to be interesting to see uh, which prospects get their breakthrough uh, in the NHL. We're looking at guys like Quentin Byfield, Arthur Kalia, Alex Tricot. Uh, you know, there, there's even some rumblings about will Brant Clark get his nine game look at least uh, this season, uh, the Kings first round draft pick this year. So there is a lot of potential for young guys this year to come up and uh, 
really make a difference for the team. Yeah, I think the Kings are one of those teams where everyone knows that their prospect stable is pretty incredible, but it's almost looking like a situation where a bunch of them can break in all at one time and they could be a team that shocks the world a little bit. And they have the advantage of being in a pretty weak division as well. Mm -hmm. The Kings have kind of been cast as still being the Daryl Sutter LA Kings Mm -hmm. where it's all defense, not a lot of offense. Do you see that changing coming into this year? Are they going to make a statement a little bit with like the pushing towards the younger kids having some freedom? I mean, Mm -hmm. Phil Deneau's acquisition hints that they're still really value defense, Mm -hmm. but that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to sacrifice offense. Right. Yeah. And I think that that's, that's another thing that people kind of keep hanging on to is, you know, the Kings are old, they're slow, they're just defense. And, you know, none of those things are true anymore. They have a lot of younger, faster players who are thinking the game creatively. And I think the biggest problem that the Kings have had over the past few seasons is really getting the lineup to a point where they can actually start doing interesting things in terms of coaching and systems and everything. Uh, They have had such a mismatch of, you know, older players, younger players and guys who are just sort of filling spots temporarily until these young guys are ready that they haven't really been able to, I think, dig in as much as maybe Todd McClellan and the front office and the coaching staff would like to. But I do think that it's coming as we see uh, these younger guys come up. Quentin Byfield got a couple of games at the end of last season, and he's already making passes and plays that other people on that team could not even dream of making. Uh, and he's, you know, he's a kid. So I, I think that there is, as we get these guys ready to take full roles in the NHL, we're going to see a lot more creativity and a lot more, you know, playing with pace and not just trying to slow the game down to the old Daryl Sutter grinder style of Kings that uh, people still think of when they think of the team. It's really it- funny though, that you mentioned that, uh, people think of the Kings as, you know, old and slow because I did think of that too. And then I looked at their cat friendly page. There aren't many guys over 30 on this team. No, no, no. There, it's yeah, it's they... wild to think there's, you know, Anze Kopitar 34, Dustin Brown 36. Then you've got Drew Dowdy 31, Alex Edler 35 and Jonathan Quick 35. And that's mm-hmm. it. Yeah, that's it. The changing of the guard in LA has been fascinating to me mm-hmm. because uh, like you said, we like that this is the previous those guys are the previous era of los mm-hmm. angeles kings and we're now seeing hopefully this year the new era the kids and stuff like that what kind of role though do you think that these veterans will take are they here they're obviously here to usher in but mm-hmm. um is there anything you would like to see from them this year as this is kind of a transition year but i do kind of have hopes a little bit for the mm-hmm. kings to kind of surprise people that's that's my hope this year is that they surprise yeah. people do you have any wishes though for this veteran core of players you know, I think that it's interesting because, you know, especially when you talk about Andre Kopitar, he is still legitimately one of, if not the best players on the team, even at, you know, 30 plus, you know, grizzled veteran. Uh, but he still is consistently a performer. If you watch him, any game you watch him in, you can tell when other guys are taking a shift off. He doesn't take a shift off. He plays the game. Uh, and so I, I think that the addition of some of these younger players and especially Phil Deneau is going to mean that. Guys like Kopitar or on the back end, Dowdy aren't going to necessarily have to play the 8 million minutes that they always play. Although getting Drew Dowdy to not play 30 minutes a game, I think is going to be a challenge no matter what. Uh, But I I think that as we see more of these young guys step up, um, it'll mean that, you know, Kopitar isn't going to have to kill himself in in the defensive zone the entire game because there's going to be other people there to help take the pressure off of him. So, you know, I, I think that the Kings have done a lot of work to, really narrow down that core to guys like Kopitar, uh, Dowdy, Brown, and Quick, and 
get rid of all the other guys who aren't going to be a part of the team's future. And I, I think they, ha- they have stuck with a pretty good group of guys who will be good leaders and mentors for the younger players. You know, Kopitar, a young, like a rookie always ends up living in his house with him every year and, uh, you know, just being that sort of role for the team. But, you know, they're still, when it comes to Kopitar and, and Dowdy, at least the leaders in their position on this team. Uh, and I, I think that it, they're still good guys for the younger players to look up to and learn from, uh, no matter how much, uh, even I have criticized Drew Dowdy over the years. He is still respected uh, in that room as a defenseman. Yeah, I had forgotten they also made like a pretty other, a uh, pretty other, another pretty significant addition in the offseason in getting Victor Arvidsson, who's mm-hmm. coming off a couple of kind of off years due to injury, but he has like his underlying numbers for years have been incredible in terms of goal scoring mm-hmm. and play driving. So he's a guy that I would put a pretty decent bet on having a bounce back season, yeah. especially with the added center depth that the Kings have. How, how much do you expect out of uh, Victor Arvidsson? You know, I think that, I mean, a, that, that move happened, not under the radar. It was a big deal when it happened, but then so many other ridiculous things happened in the world of hockey that that one just sort of like slid away. Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing what he has to offer. I think that, you know, Nashville had such a weird season last year that it's hard to look at anyone on that team and say, Oh, like, you know, they're done because that the whole team was just, you know, a nightmare last year. Uh, and again, also the injury issues that he he's working to overcome. I'm excited to see him. I hope, I hope that they put him on the line with Kopitar because for years, the Kings issue has been, we don't have anyone on Kopitar's line who can score goals you know, Dustin Brown goes to the net and things bounce off of him. And that's great. Um, I don't think he should necessarily be playing a first line role. I think that, you know, he's there just because it works, but it's time to change things a little bit. Uh, So I I would be excited to see him with Kopitar and see what they can do together. And, you know, giving Kopitar someone on his wing who can reliably score goals will be a very new and weird feeling for Kings fans. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) Putting it that way sounds it's harsh, but it's also true. Yeah, the Kings yeah. have struggled in that department for several years. And I think they're one of those teams where they were so good at their peak, right? They won those mm-hmm. two Stanley cups, but the way that they played was very much the last uh, era of the NHL. Things have changed significantly mm-hmm. from a volume shooting perspective to really going for shot quality. And the Kings for a few years, at least were left behind as mm-hmm. their core aged and some guys moved on. It's interesting to see them start to catch up now and build again and and see all the promise that is littered throughout that team. Uh, with all that promise, and like we said, this is expected to be a transition year for the Kings, but they are in a division that mm-hmm. doesn't have a lot of heavy hitters. Mm-hmm. What are the expectations from Kings fans this year and from Kings management of what they can accomplish or what they should accomplish? I think I think management is talking about this year as playoff year. Um, do I know that that's going to happen? I don't know. They can all, they can always end up shooting themselves in the foot somehow last season. They actually were in a really good spot for a big chunk of the season. And then just had a couple of miserable stretches, including like losing almost every game they played against the sharks for no apparent reason that just really torpedoed them. Uh, so, you know, I, I take everything with a little bit of a grain of salt because I know at any moment they can just suddenly decide, ah, you know what? No. Uh, but my, my expectation is that they should at least be in a conversation for, you know, being a bubble team, being a wild card team. Uh, but the Pacific is so weird. And, you know, this year has the added bonus of no one really knows what Seattle is going to be. Um, you know, we look at the roster that they drafted in the expansion draft and we're like, wow, this is garbage. 
but we said the same thing about Vegas and look where we are now. So I don't really want to place any bets on Seattle being good or bad because anything could happen, but it is a very weak division overall. So I think that the potential is there for them to really go for it. And do I think they're going to make a cup run? No, but it would be great to see them get back in the postseason and at least, you know, say, Hey, you know, we're competent again. Look at us. Yeah, I think that's the the big takeaway from that division, right? Is there's no one outside of Vegas that you can Mm -hmm. look at and confidently say, this team is definitely way better than the Kings are going to be. And Mm -hmm. what you mentioned about Jonathan Quick, I mean, I didn't even realize that he's 35 years old Mm -hmm. and I feel ancient now. Yeah, right. (laughs) That contract from that viral tweet that gets Uh brought up every couple weeks on Twitter uh, is almost over. Yeah. Like it's it's been a long time since Mm -hmm. the Kings won their first cup and it's I'm really excited to see what this team can be because I think they have pieces that can make for a very exciting season. Mm-hmm. And despite the fact that Anzi Kopitar is going into his 34 year old season, the fact that Dano is there now and he can yeah. soak up the high end defensive matchups. I think we're going to see a bit of a Renaissance season yeah. from Kopitar. Not that he's been bad by right. any stretch of the imagination. He's still absolutely incredible, but I think he's going to bring the offense this year, like point per game, maybe more. Yeah. And Andrew, I hate to break it to you that, but it's basically been 10 years since their first Stanley Cup to make, to make you feel even I older. I looked <laughs> well, it up while you were talking. Yeah. Uh, they won normal. in the, they won in what? 2011, 2012. Right. 2012 I mean, yeah. this might date me even more and you might not even know who this is, Mary, but somebody mentioned on Twitter this morning and Steve Dangle retweeted it, that it's been 20 years since the first strong, bad email. Oh no, no, no I gotta go. I gotta go. No, <laughs> no that, that passes me by as a, as a young, the, yeah, um, we've yeah, had many conversations like this on the podcast where there is a clear generational divide between Andrew and I, and I guess now you too, Sarah, I'm so sorry. Yeah, <laughs> I gotta go. <laughs> I feel old. I feel ancient. That's real. <laughs> uh, thanks so much, Sarah, for telling us all about the LA Kings. Uh, I'm really excited to watch them this year and obviously listen to you work on the Locked On Podcast Network. But before we let you go, plug some stuff. Uh, sure. So uh, Locked on Kings, of course, is available wherever you get your podcasts. So you go plug it in. You do have to type like Locked on Los Angeles Kings. Otherwise, you get the basketball team who is also really bad. So it's really kind of the same, you know, flavor of content of bemoaning the team doing bad things. But, you know, different sports uh, available on Twitter at Locked on LA Kings. I'm on Twitter at right said Sarah. That's W-R-I-T-E said Sarah with an H occasionally having feelings and hot takes about stuff or I don't know, posting pictures of my cat. Thanks so much, Sarah. We really enjoyed it. Awesome. Thank you. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar in the world. Celebrate your freedom of choice with Built Bar's nine delicious flavors. You can check out coconut, cherry barcia, raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, strawberry, orange, cookies and cream, and German chocolate. If you haven't tried all the flavors or you're an adventurous person, you can get a mix box where you'll get two of each of the nine flavors. Not only are Built Bar flavors the best tasting, covered in chocolate and easy to chew, but they're healthy too. Check out the macros. Each protein bar contains 17 to 18 grams of protein, calories ranging from 130 to 180, only 4 to 5 grams of sugar, and only 4 to 5 grams of net carbs. Amazing flavors, all tasty, all healthy. Built Bar is also the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team, which is pretty cool. Go to Built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off of your first order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. 
Welcome back to the Crosscheck NHL show. I'm here with Mary Clark, and we're very excited to bring on Jason Hernandez from Locked On Anaheim Ducks. Jason, how you doing? I'm doing okay. Enjoying this sunny Southern California weather. Not enjoying the fires we're having, but hey, it's Southern California. <laughs> I mean, California, it's got a lot going for it, but the fires and the earthquakes and the mudslides, definitely, there's, there's give and take with everywhere you live, right? Everywhere has something good and something bad, or nothing good and nothing bad and then you're just in ohio unless you uh, live in san diego then it's just perfect weather all the time you, you know listen i was really here for this ohio slander so keep going andrew keep going <laughs> keep please. slandering ohio I was, yes. I was gonna say we have no winter we have no summer we have late spring early fall like, like we don't have winter or summer in san diego <laughs> but ohio is flat so ohio is, is nothing Yep. Sorry, Ohio. I mean, I mean, not to go totally off track, but I saw a meme going around after the Black Widow movie. And at one point, because they lived in Ohio as kids or something as like the Russian sleeper cell. And uh, Nat Natasha says like, oh, I want to stay in Ohio. And it's like this took me out of the film completely. Nobody's ever said that before. This is true. I thought that was really funny. <laughs> anyway, getting into the ducks instead of Marvel stuff. Uh, Jason, there hasn't been too much that went on with the Anaheim Ducks this year. Uh but who's in and who's out from this lineup from last season? It's not much different comparatively, to be honest. Uh, a lot of the guys are still staying somehow. I don't know why. Max Jones got re-signed. Max Comtois got re-signed, which is a big deal. That one's a big deal because Comtois did have a breakout season last year. Same with Josh Mahura. But then you look at the expansion draft. Okay, that was a little bit confounding. Letting, I guess, Nick Delorier stay. Oh, okay. All right, fine. So Delorier stayed. Who did the Ducks lose in the expansion draft? Hayden Fleury. That one kind of stung a little bit because essentially the Ducks got nothing for that Yanni Hockenpah trade. And really the Ducks losing a good young defenseman sucks for them because there goes the youth movement. But hey, at least they retained some of the other youth on their roster. Overall, not a whole lot of signings this offseason. This despite the fact that they were Oh, what place were they in score last? They were they were last in scoring. Oh no, what can we do? Nothing. Okay, they were last in the power play. What can we do about it? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> Yay! You see where this is going. We're looking forward to a fun season coming up with that number one. At least the number one draft pick looks really good this coming season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, this is going to be a heck of a draft if the the Ducks decide to sell off and accumulate some picks. Uh, I mean, look at what Arizona is set up to do. But at the same time, I, I think there's le maybe less pressure than usual for, for the Anaheim Ducks after they were so good for so long. But I have heard that uh, there's some fire under the seat for Dallas oh. Eakins. Uh, it seems like yes. he's a guy who has really, really excelled in the American Hockey League and is pretty decent at developing players. But every time he's gotten a chance at the NHL level, He's really worn out his welcome very quickly. And yep. I thought this was going to be a little bit different situation in Anaheim because there was less expectations of being competitive right away. And he could work with the players, you know, that he brought up in San Diego with the Gulls, but it hasn't really worked out that way. No, he's been on the hot seat ever since Trevor Zegris came up ever since the Adam Henrique episode that happened this season. That's where the drama has been. It's been sitting Adam Henrique. That's the way you end your consecutive game streak by being benched. Oh no. And then him getting waived. Oh, bigger. No, that was the drama. Then you had Trevor Zegras being benched for an entire period. And then subsequently being scratched for a whole game. 
fans were surprised that Dallas Eakins did not get the boot during the season. That losing streak kept getting bigger. Six games, seven games, eight games, nine games. And Eakins was still there. So then I heard rumblings, oh, he might get fired during the season. Nope, that never happened. Which leads to the, I guess, this might be a question. The recent hiring, not of a new Anaheim Ducks coach, but there's a new coach for the San Diego goals this season, which is raising a lot of question marks because maybe that's going to be a guy who could take Dallas Eakins spot maybe during this season, maybe in the off season. I, I don't know. That's the, that's the one that kind of confounded me a lot because once the goals made their decision to get rid of uh, Kevin Deneen and hire Joel Bouchard as their head coach, this is essentially a tryout. We're going to see how Bouchard does with the San Diego goals. And this is him trying out for that head coaching spot that will be vacated by Dallas Eakins. And yes, there was drama about Joel Bouchard possibly going to the Montreal Canadiens. And once that did not happen, then the writing was on the wall. Montreal's long-term plan is to keep their coaching staff as is, which is why the goals and ducks plucked him up. And according to Bouchard, he was given an offer he couldn't refuse. Interesting. I mean, offer you couldn't refuse definitely sounds like exactly what you're talking about. That mm-hmm. There's going to be a head coaching job relatively soon. It feels like we're primed for, you know, a midseason firing for the Ducks. I mean, I don't yeah. want to, you know, go all Nostradamus here, but it really feels like we're in the midst of like it's it's inevitable for Dallas Eakins is basically what you're telling me here. Yeah, I wonder, like just reading the tea leaves and making things up pulling it straight out of my butt. I'm wondering if maybe Zegris starts the season in the American Hockey League with Bouchard there. They build some trust there. And then when Eakins is let go, Zegris graduates with maybe a couple of other promising players from the Ducks. And like the Ducks are far enough out of it that they're going to get their high pick. But it gives Bouchard an easy way to come in and bring in the youth movement to transition into next season. Does that make sense, Jason? That sounds very much like it could happen, considering how many centers the Ducks have right now, considering that they re-signed Ryan Getzloff to a one-year deal. That was the move that was confounding a little bit because the Ducks already have plenty of center depth. They have Adam Henrique is still around. He's still around, guys. How is this happening? Then yeah, that's they, a tough one. <laughs> and they still have Henrik. They still have Getzloff. He's still around. At least he's only making $3 million instead of 8 and change. So yay for that. And they re-signed Sam Steele, who's an excellent center. You have Comtois. You have who some fans call hashtag Elite 1C, Derek Grant. Right now, <laughs> there's no room for Trevor Zegris. So yeah, it sounds like he is going to start in San Diego, unless he somehow wins out the job over one of the other guys. Maybe Derek Grant will be a San Diego goal. Who knows? Maybe Sam Steele will lose that spot. So we just kind of have to see what happens during this training camp, but it does sound like Zegris is going to start with the San Diego goals. And if he can build that trust with Bouchard, then once Eakins goes, maybe Eakins will last the season. <laughs> I don't, I don't know <laughs> at this point. Yeah, it's, it's hard to predict, season. but uh, I guess just to because the Ducks didn't have so much going on during the regular season, I, I wonder, is there outside of Zegris who, who's coming up in the prospect system that could make an impact on this team in the short term? 
I would say Jamie Drysdale, even though he was given a bad beat last season. I mean, he really was thrown to the wolves, but in the 20 something games that he did play, he did show lots of improvement and he is still one of the best skaters out there. Jamie Drysdale being the first round pick from the previous year. He's the one guy that I think could come up unexpectedly because as of right now, the ducks, according to cap friendly only have five defensemen signed. That's it. They have, Fowler, Lindholm, Manson, Shattenkirk, still, and Jacob Larson, still. Yes, they need help on defense. You can see we're kind of pulling at, we're tugging here. They need help on defense. I feel like Jimmy Drysdale could be the one that would infuse some energy. But there's another name that I have liked a lot, and I've been singing his praises, even though he is older, 31 years old, Cody Curran. He's 31 years old, but he has got a blistering shot. Uh, some folks say that his shot is over 100 miles an hour. And yet he's still in the American Hockey League. He's still mired down there. Give him the shot. If he can make it to the Ducks for a few games, he could make a difference. You never know. So that's another name that I'm looking forward to possibly playing in Anaheim is Cody Curran. And one other player, Brendan Gooley, who did get some time with the Anaheim Ducks. That's another name to watch out for in the coming weeks. Yeah, Cody Curran, for those who aren't familiar, is a bit of a late bloomer. In the Swedish Hockey League, uh, two seasons before now, he actually led his team in scoring uh, in 2019-20 as a defenseman yep. in the Swedish Hockey League. And the year before, he was second. So there's some offense there. Uh, sometimes those late bloomers come in and make a big difference. So we'll, yeah. that's a name for us there, to watch. There's I a not name, really there's... clocked him. There was a name I mentioned earlier, Yanni Hockenpah, also a late bloomer and made a difference with the Carolina Hurricanes this past season. They love him down there or loved him, I guess, now that he's moved on. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, we've touched on a couple of things that we were going to ask in this interview anyway, in terms of uh, how the, the team dynamic could change. I think that the Dallas Eakins situation essentially answers that, that things could change dramatically depending on whether or not he's uh, let go during the season. But I mean, I guess this is also pretty obvious too, but heading into next season, what are your expectations and what do you think are management management's expectations of the Anaheim Ducks? What, what are they expected to do? GM Bob Murray doesn't really have a whole lot of expectations this coming season. He, he knows where the team is. He knows where the rest of the division is. We all know that Vegas is going to win the Pacific division. Everyone knows it. And if you say they're not going to win it, you're lying to yourself. <laughs> It seems like everyone else in the division has improved. Okay, I shouldn't say that. The San Jose Sharks, they could be mired in the bottom with the Ducks. But the Kings have improved. Seattle, as confusing as their expansion draft is, they're still doing okay, I guess. And then you have the Canadian teams, the Canucks, the Oilers, the Flames. The Ducks' expectations could not be lower this coming season. Looking at every metric, looking at every prediction, almost every expert has the Ducks either in last place or second to last place, not just in the division, in the league. And management also knows that there's a big, deep draft coming in 2022. This might be one of the deepest drafts in recent memory. So maybe they're looking at that. Yeah, that's that's super interesting. Well, before we let you go, Jason, uh, plug some stuff. What have you got going on for Locked on Ducks? Oh, we've got some new content coming this week. Hooray. And also we're going to be talking with a couple of experts 
on this coming season, which I, I know what the experts are going to say. They're going to say pretty much the same thing. We're all wondering what happened with the Eichel thing. How did that break down? He's still in Buffalo. There was rumors he'd come to Anaheim and all of a sudden that broke down. So going to talk about some of the lack of offseason stuff and talk about what we can look forward to in Anaheim. And a lot of the local people are really excited to see what's going to happen in San Diego this season. They're going to be the fun team to watch and they're only an hour and a half down the road. Awesome. Thanks for coming on, Jason. We really appreciate it. Uh, we'll hopefully have you on during the season as well to talk about some ducks. If, if I come on during the season, it'll be drama. <laughs> I guarantee <laughs> it. Yeah. Maybe when, when, when slash if Dallas Eakins get let, gets let go and Joel Bouchard comes up, we'll have to have you back. Yeah, or when Trevor Zegers comes up and does something miraculous. That too. That's very likely. <laughs> Thanks, Jason. No problem. It's that time of the year again, just like Mary's been talking about, football's back on. Teams are back on the gridiron to start the football season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro, pro and college football action this season. Get all the updated odds, props, and contests, including, the on including online's biggest half-million-dollar NFL Mega Contest and the world's biggest $200,000 NFL Survivor Contest open now at BetOnline. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 100% welcome bonus. Be sure to take advantage of their opening day super promo, which is make a bet on Thursday, September 9th, season opener between the Super Bowl champion Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboys. And if you lose, your wager will be refunded up to $25 for new customers only when signing up and using promo code NFL100. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports from football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait and take advantage of all the great offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Promo code locked on. Mary, do you ever bet on football? No, I'm not a gambling, a sports gambling person. I don't actually gamble ever. No, I'm too chicken for most of it. I'll bet if I think I, something's like a really, really sure thing, but it's very rare, very rare. Yeah, I'm not a sports gambling person. Yeah. Uh, it, it seems neat, but you know, I always feel weird as like a person in sports. I'm like can I bet on sports? How does this work? So I just don't do it. There's no, I have no need for it. Maybe that'll change in the future. But as somebody that works in sports, I've always felt weird about, you know, betting on sports. I'm like, I'm just not going to do it. Yeah. I, I always was very cautious about it. And then I saw that uh, Dom Lucision posted on Instagram that he bought a Tesla with his winnings from gambling on hockey the last couple of years. And I was like, oh, wow. Yeah, I know That's if Dom Lucision if Dom Lucision can do it, I know I can do it. But I still feel like I'm gonna get I'm gonna get got. And, and yeah, I'm 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 on the lookout. But you know that's valid. I'm I'm glad it's a thriving industry. It seems people like it. But you know, gambling addictions are a thing. So yes, go yes, get absolutely. go get help. Obviously, go get help if you have a gambling addiction. Yeah, if it's if it's compulsive, it's a totally different situation. So yeah, for sure. Yeah, don't get caught down in that. So uh, our pop culture roulette segment. Uh, you had here that there's a new Churches album out. Yes, there is. Uh, I don't really do uh, music a lot. I mean, I listen to a lot of music, but I don't really keep up with, you know, new artists, new trends, stuff like that. But I've been a big fan of Churches for a while, and they put out their new album, Screen Violence, uh, last week, and it's really good. Uh, so I definitely recommend you take a listen to it. Um, even if you've never heard their music before, definitely go watch uh, their performance on the uh, Jimmy Fallon show. Their uh, performance of Good Girls was great. Uh, and it's really funny because... Uh, 
Hideo Kojima, the uh, director of, you know, the Metal Gear series, Death Stranding and stuff like that. He's a huge fan of Churches because they worked with him to create a song for Death Stranding, uh, I think his most recent video game. Uh, so it kind of, you know, is neat to see those like circles intersect, but he's a big fan of theirs. And I've been a big fan of theirs for a while. I, uh, my sister and I saw a concert um, where they headlined uh, some time ago, but in sometime, somewhere in Philly. And it was really fun and just... It's great music. Um, that's kind of like the biggest pop culture thing for me, but just wanted to shout out what I was listening to because I posted about it and so did a friend of the pod, Charlie O'Connor, you know, noted music lover, uh, obvious, uh, you know, hockey, big hockey reporter and stuff like that. And I trust his music opinions. And when he said this Church's album was a banger, I knew it was going to be good. Uh, so it's endorsed by me and Charlie O'Connor. So, you know, nice. it's good. Yeah, this weekend I watched Nobody with my wife, which is the like John Wick style, uh, I guess, thriller action movie starring Bob Odenkirk, which I went in essentially blind. I had only watched like one trailer for it. And I was like, Bob Odenkirk being like John Wick, I'm sold. <laughs> and it is very much a John Wick, uh, re not reboot, but like it, it borrows heavily from John Wick. I'll say that. <laughs> Uh, it's, it's different in a few ways. It's super fun, but the most fun that I had in watching the movie was the surprise that I didn't realize that, uh, Christopher Lloyd is in it. And I hadn't seen Christopher Lloyd in anything for a very long time. I went to his IMDb page and apparently he's been working consistently this whole time, but he's, uh, I think in his mid eighties and he actually does a bunch of like action scenes in this movie. Oh, really? So I'm like, I mean, obviously there'll be stunt doubles in there, but to see Christopher Lloyd moving around shooting people with guns is pretty incredible and mm -hmm. a huge selling point for me in this movie. You know, I thought it was all right. I, I had fun watching it. It's really funny that you mentioned Christopher Lloyd uh, because he's <laughs> he voice acts in Kingdom Hearts as uh, like the main villain from like the past, like, you know, couple of video games because it used to be Leonard Nimoy's uh, voice acting role and then he passed away. And then for Kingdom Hearts 3, it was the guy, one of the guys from Blade Runner. And then he passed away. Oh, no. So I was like, oh, no, they got Doc Brown to do Kingdom Hearts. And now he's going to pass away. But so far, he's OK. But uh, it's obviously an older male role that uh, is the, you know, the character. So I'm like, oh, no, they got Doc Brown to voice it. This is oh, no, I'm, I was so scared. But thankfully, it's been some time since he's had to do stuff in Kingdom Hearts. But we'll we'll see in the future. But I thought that was really funny that. Kingdom Hearts is just collecting, you know, sci-fi people because, you know, they had Leonard Nimoy and then uh, whoever the guy's name is from Blade Runner. I can't, It's my bad. I'm not really good with, you know, picking up people from IMDb pages. But yeah, I just thought that was a very funny coincidence. But that's really cool that he did like action scenes. That actually kind of makes me want to watch it because, I mean, he's what? He's in his 80s. That's awesome. Yeah, it was really cool to see. And I mean, I'm a huge Christopher Lloyd person, so stay alive, please, Christopher Lloyd. <laughs> please, please. I, I hope I did not jinx this. I am, I'm, I'm begging. Please do not do this to me. <laughs> <laughs> but that's all we have for you today for the Crosscheck NHL show. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back Thursday to continue our Crosscheck NHL crossover and whatever else happens in the NHL. We're going to talk about it. I mean, hockey around the world. We're going to talk about it. We're going to hit on some cool stuff. So uh, we'll talk to you then. But before I let you go, got to tell you about Locked On Bets. Betting on the NHL doesn't have to be a guessing game. If you listen to the new Locked On Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling, get daily picks, blowout specials, and wrong team favored picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow the Locked On Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag 
wherever you get your podcasts.